0: Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Ava Reed on the show with me. She has an amazing new fantasy novel. It's called The Wolf and the Woodsman, and what an amazing book. Uh, you guys are going to love this. I just know it. Um, Ava, welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're so welcome. Uh, I'm excited to have you. you. Uh, Ava, we begin each show with the same question, and that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller?
1: So, I think that I was really lucky in the sense that I grew up in the perfect era that was post-dial-up modem, um, but where fan culture on the internet was like really starting to take off. Um I remember going into my family's like computer room because that was a thing that everyone had back then, <laughs> right the two thousands with a giant like Mac desktop with a really fat back. Um, and I remember just going online and seeing all of this fan content, fan art, fan fiction, obviously, and being so overwhelmed and so happy that, this community existed and i think that was the first time and i think this is probably true of a lot of writers of my kind of generation that like the world of fan fiction was kind of my way into storytelling that eventually led to original fiction
0: so um i is it fair to say that you were a bookish kid? or were you one of those uh, you know kids who walked around with their nose in a book all the time?
1: Yes, absolutely. Like walking back from the Barnes and Noble with my mom, I would <laughs> have my nose in the book and like almost crash into like the lamppost because I was just too busy reading.
0: <laughs> so Ava, what if you could pinpoint if you could put your finger on a a particular book or a series of books or maybe it was an author, that kind of opened your mind to the possibility that a book could transport you to another place? Um, Who or what would that be?
1: Um, So when I was around 10 or 11, I was obsessed with the Warrior Cats books by Aaron Hunter, Um, which if you haven't heard of them, it's a middle grade series, but it's basically about these very anthropomorphized feral cats who live in the forest and they live in different clans and they have you know this culture and the society and they fight each other it's actually a very very dark series for middle grade it's kind of like Watership down but with cats mm. um and i was i was obsessed with this i didn't even have a cat um but i just really really loved this series and it's really funny because my editor Who's working with me on my YAD debut is actually the one who edits these books now. They're still coming out years and years later, Um, and that I think was my first big kind of book (laughs) that just took over my life and like you know was just a complete obsession for me. Love it.
0: Um. So you know we we talk a lot on the show about the. Um, the, the path from someone who who knows that they are a storyteller and desires to one day uh, write something of their own, uh, you know, completely unique and put it out to the world um, and the 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 obstacles that are in the path um, for that writer along the line. And, and maybe obstacle is not the right word, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are challenges that there, there's a, a a little thing called life that happens yeah. and, you know, bills that need to be paid mm-hmm. and, you know, people that depend on us and all of that and all of those things, uh, and, and rightfully so, you know, take a, um, take up place, you know, that, that might occupy where we, we might tell stories. Um, so I, I know that you were, uh, born in manhattan and and raised uh, right across the river um and you now and and i'm i'm leaving out a whole lot of steps but now you work for an ai robotics startup is that right i
1: did actually i'm not there anymore but that was my last kind of real person job aside from being an author um
0: which which yeah. makes perfect sense for someone that wants to to write the kind of fantasy that you do. <laughs> what what was it that uh, that led you down that path? Because I know that you your study was on uh, religion and the ethno nationalism, and then you've also worked for a
1: senator. Yeah, um, yeah. I've <laughs> I've had a a lot of different, very different kind of job experiences. Um, So basically, I moved out to Palo Alto because my partner is a PhD student at Stanford. And I, at the time, had just graduated from from undergrad, and I was writing The Wolf in the Woods then, actually. And I just wanted a job that was very, very different from what I was doing and what I was writing, something that wasn't going to kind of take up the creative brain space that I was using for the book, so I was just looking up and, you know, all of the jobs here are at startups, you know, everything here is a is a tech startup and it's, you know, that's just the culture here. So I knew I would end up at one of them. And this one was just by far the most interesting um, of them all. So I took this job and it was actually only part-time and it was great because I had a lot of time to write. Um, And because it was kind of this like desk job, I could sit at my desk and kind of daydream about my book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what, so this story um, that we're talking about today, um, this has been something that's been with you for a while. The Wolf and the Woodsman have, have these characters been with you and uh, what was it? I I love to hear from people um, about the beginnings of Mm -hmm. things, you know, um, it, it's fascinating to me because at one moment in time none of this existed none of the characters the the setting none of it existed and then either a character walked onto the stage of your mind or you Mm -hmm. started thinking of a fantastical setting and then you know everything starts kind of evolving and then in one form or another the wolf and the woodsman exist Mm -hmm. um what, what was that catalyst for you that got all this going
1: so it was a really one really, really specific moment. I remember I was I had fallen down just like this Wikipedia rabbit hole where I was reading about it was initially for a paper I was writing for one of my classes um, about kind of modern day Hungarian politics. But I fell down this kind of Wikipedia research rabbit hole as we were all, Sometimes want to do, oh, yeah. Um, and I so I started reading about you know very very early Hungarian history when Hungary, the modern state of Hungary, just began to take shape. And the person who's regarded as kind of the founder of the modern Hungarian state is is Saint Stephen or Saint Istvan. Um, and I was reading about him, and I came upon just this little like kind of throwaway sentence anecdote about how he so. All of his children kind of died before they became of age. So his heir apparent was his nephew, but his nephew was a pagan and he didn't want a pagan to inherit the throne. So he had his nephew's eyes stabbed out. And this is just a very throwaway kind of sentence, you know, on this long, very long Wikipedia article. But that was so like that image and that kind of act of like such brutality, It that really stuck with me. And I wanted to uh, create a world where something like that could happen, um, where that was that was just the reality. This this, this brutality was just, you know, normal. <laughs> right. That
0: you know, one of the things that I love about fantasy so much is the the uh, the politics of it and the the way that that the characters interact and the way that societies interact. And it, it almost lets us explore the things in our own real world, um, but sort of distilled down to, to what, what should have, or the way people should behave or, or maybe seeing the, uh, you know, kind of the folly of, of things, but in a, uh, in a simpler way to look at it, um, d- is was that something that you were thinking about when writing this obviously you know you're thinking about what could cause you know a, an event like this to happen mm-hmm. um what is it when you start thinking about the politics because that's very well defined in this book mm-hmm. and and the way that the the communities interact with each other what what did you start doing to kind of flesh that out
1: um, well, I started with, it's interesting, I so I started just with the idea of a Christianizing country because I thought that was really interesting. You don't really see a lot of that in fantasy, the actual process of a state being formed. Usually in a fantasy book, you'll have these established states and everyone in the state kind of has the same identity and the same sense of patriotism. So I thought it would be interesting to write a fantasy book that was about like the identity crisis of a of a whole country that was kind of on its way to being formed and there was a lot of you know jockeying back and forth about what kind of country this should be um and that was kind of that was kind of where I started as I wanted to explore that idea and it started out as kind of just a Christians versus pagans thing but then you know with my background and my family history and just by researching more I kind of Realized what a significant element um jewish people in jewish history played in in hungary going back to the middle ages and even further um, so then you know once i incorporated that element things become even more complicated and complex and just really fun
0: <laughs> looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins PlotPens is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process, the concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process the outline, 12 beats and 3 acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Write. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000 word book, it's about 2 cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let Plot Pins help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off Plot Pins. PlotPins.com. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website. Your home on the web where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great looking professional website. Developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates, PubSite is the new easy to use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric they have customized designs for you to use it's easy to build no coding or html is necessary to create a stunning professional looking website with all the features you want get a custom domain name yourname.com it's simple to update you can add all of your books add a blog and a book tour sell from any retailer manage your email list and social media and even do e-commerce build your website with a 14-day free trial then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. What was it about the Pagan Society that that intrigued you?
1: Um, I don't think it was necessarily anything. So that's an interesting question. Actually, I think it was the way that Hungarian pre-Christian myth is kind of memorialized in modern day Hungary that was interesting to me. So, you know, you'll have the Tural as this like national icon, like it's been on coins and postage stamps. There's a giant statue of it outside of Buda Palace and Budapest. You know, it's a very important part of modern day Hungarian state identity and and personal identity. But it's also, you know, this obviously this pagan kind of creature. Um, So I was really interested in the way that they were able to kind of integrate that into a Christian state, because Christianity is what defines the modern state of Hungary. It's what defines pretty much every modern state in Europe, it's what defines Europe as, you know, the Christian world. Um, So I was, I was interested in how, you know, you could, they could incorporate elements of paganism and still kind of keep the same narrative that this is a Christian country. That was really interesting to me. Um, So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of explore how, you know, the king quite literally takes, you know, small elements, small pieces of of the pagan culture and the pagan society and the pagans literally you know he asked for these tithes or these sacrifices you know and as a way to consolidate his power and as a way to kind of form the identity of this emerging nation
0: so when you start thinking about this story and and the um you know the the societies that are going to make it up and all that you are um working you know grown-up jobs <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you know you have a, a life that that you're um you know navigating um had, did you start thinking about you know that that the reality that this could become a novel or w- did it start as just you um you know kind of sorting these thoughts out in your mind and and you know playing the what if game when did it I guess the question when did it become, novel to you when did this become a viable story that you were going to see all the way through to the end
1: well so I wrote I started writing at the end of my senior year of college um so then I was 22 and then you know I wrote the book and I did I was thinking about you know publication and stuff but I didn't really know how to go about that and I Found this program called Pitch Wars, which basically, if your book is selected, you're paired up with a published author, and that published author uh, gives you, you know, an edit letter and puts you through this revision process. And in the end, your book is kind of presented in this showcase for agents to, you know, request and to look at. So I think it was the experience of, of that, of Pitch Wars and working with a mentor who is in the industry and just learning about the industry that made it feel more real to me
0: so when you you start thinking about the big concepts of the book um when did when did characters come on the stage for you and and how did you start thinking of you know all all of these are great ideas and things that i want to explore but until they affect people Mm -hmm. um you know the the reader doesn't have anything to care about so so how did you how did you cast the story for lack of a better term
1: yeah well i always wanted this book to be about the people who don't fit neatly into this kind of aspirational idea of the country so obviously you have evk who is raised in this pagan village but she has jewish heritage so that's something that just doesn't quite fit you know she's she's ostracized in her village she's an outcast she has this very fractured identity um you know, much in the way that the country itself still has this kind of fractured identity. And then, you know, when I was thinking about who, you know, the secondary protagonist, who the romantic interest would be, you know, I wanted it to be someone who could relate to that, who had, you know, obviously they have (laughs) their differences. They're very, very different in some ways, but fundamentally they have that same experience of exclusion, of, of fractured identity. And that's what, brings them together so i started thinking about you know outcast people who don't fit and and that was kind of the genesis of both of their characters was that idea
0: a lot of modern fantasy fits a, a certain aesthetic um you know that Tends to be uh, kind of resemble Middle Ages Europe, uh, specifically, you know, England or France or mm-hmm. you know, like that. Um, this book has a very different feel, and it it almost feels like um, the uh, the grim fairy tales, or mm-hmm. um, you know, that it has that sort of feel. Um, was there was there ever any thought about you know where does this world that I'm creating, where does it fit? What is it going to resemble? How will the reader um, relate to it? Um, or, or is this just the world that that came out in the writing?
1: Yeah, I did think a lot about that because obviously, as you've said, the vast majority of fantasy still is this kind of generic Western European medieval setting, and right. I think that I, ironically, I felt that it would be sort of limiting to try and write. In that, because there's so much that's been done in that kind of area, that it's really hard to write something that feels new. And I didn't really know of any. I mean, there's obviously been kind of this uptick in Eastern European-inspired fantasy books, but they've been mostly, you know, vaguely Slavic. And you know, Hungary has a has a different has a different history, has a different kind of pre-Christian culture. Um, and that wasn't something that I'd ever really seen explored and I do it was a challenge actually to kind of especially with the Jewish elements to kind of balance my desire to be like quote-unquote authentic and also to make it legible for the vast majority of readers who obviously are not going to be Jewish or Hungarian Um, (laughs) so that was hard. And I remember like one specific debate that I had with my editor over whether or not I should like italicize quote unquote foreign words. And he was very against it because he didn't want it to feel like those words were foreign within the context of the book because they're not. And ultimately I ended up agreeing with him, um, because obviously, you know, these languages are the languages that are (laughs) spoken in the book. They're not foreign words. Um, and i I think I've gotten no one that I've seen so far has had, you know, negative feedback on that front. That like, oh, this is just too like dense or whatever. Um, luckily, so I Wait, hopefully pulled off the balance correctly.
0: Well, fantasy is an interesting thing that, um, because like you said, there there really are no foreign words um, in in fantasy because they, it it that is a, another. Um, you know, piece of the tapestry that the that the author has has constructed that that uh, you know bring us into the world. Um, whereas any other genre, you would need to italicize those words. You would mm-hmm. need to to give people a clue. Um, but yeah, fantasy is is one of those genres that's just completely immersive, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be that way. Um, were there uh, other than that example, were were there other things that um um that that made you feel you know as you were writing it that this was a world you could inhabit and uh, I guess to contrast that were there things that that you maybe in the editing process realized that you know I need to change this because it might take someone out of the story Um, did you did you wrestle with that that fine line that the writer has to walk
1: yeah I did and in some sense and I was lucky that my editor was very you know supportive of what I wanted to do and that I wanted to tell this particular story and then I wanted to have you know specifically this Jewish element in there um and I think the thing that I kind of struggled with most is like I don't want to kind of you know because this is it, it is so inspired by real world history I kind of wanted to be responsible with that because especially because this history is really, really politicized in Hungary. Um, You know, there are a lot of these these right-wing ethnic nationalist groups are really, like, obsessed with this, with pre-Christian history because it's their kind of way of returning to what they view as like a purer time before, you know, ethnic minorities, before Jews, before immigrants, you know, before the kind of globalization, even though that's, you know, none of that is true, but it's their kind of idealized sure. you world. Know, it's their fantasy world. So I was mostly afraid of that kind of backlash. And I have actually gotten a lot of it from, the, you know, those types of people. That you oh this is this is our world and you can't be a part of it you can't use these elements you you know because I'm because I'm a Jewish person they <laughs> they have a very negative reaction to that and the idea that I'm somehow like misusing or appropriating their culture um, which is something that I've that I've had to deal with a lot actually. Do you think it was
0: harder um, because you are taking a, a place and a, and a, a time that uh, that the the story is reflective of of actual history? Um, you know, maybe it, it's it's definitely not historical fiction. It mm-hmm. it is a fantasy, but it's a fantasy that is uh, informed by real events. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, most fantasy writers will um, will. Just create completely different worlds and 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 new religions and political factions and and all of this. And in the writer's mind, they might be stand-ins for for something that they're representing, mm-hmm. but maybe the reader would never know that. Um, was that important to you to to you know for the reader to to kind of know what you were talking about to to where your um, uh your influences on your sleeve if if, as it were
1: yeah i think that i've always i've tried to be very open about my like not only historical but also like modern day political influences for writing this book um and i don't know if i've talked about this in an interview before but when i was in budapest a couple summers ago i i was taking my cab ride back to the airport and my cab driver was this huge, he was like six foot six. I think he was enormous <laughs> and he had a shaved head and I could see because I was behind him in the taxi that he had this giant arrow cross tattoo with a tool on it. And the arrow cross is the symbol of the Hungarian Nazi party. And the tour is also one of the symbols of that party. So, oh, wow. you know, once that, kind of and you know you go from going to the Dohanya street synagogue which is the largest synagogue in Europe and that also hosts a huge holocaust memorial and you see all these holocaust memorials all over the city and then you get into this cab with this man who has a nazi tattoo on his head and it's you know once you kind of experience that it really it changes the way you want to to write the book you know I can't I couldn't, you know, get that out of my mind in a real sense when I was writing this book, that the Tu and this all of these, you know, cultural elements, they're not dead. You know, right. they're still being used. They're still being, you know, manipulated for political purposes. Um, so i was really I was aware of that when I was writing, and that made it both. I think more yeah. challenging but also more important that I kind of get it right and really be precise in in what I wanted to say and the message that I wanted to impart.
0: Well, the tattoo on the head is uh, that's a pretty bold statement, you mm-hmm. know. You can <laughs> you can, you know, mistakenly get a drunken tattoo on your arm and <laughs> and wear long sleeves. You know, um, it's happened to plenty yeah. of people. But, you know, when you go for the tattoo on the head, that's a that's a statement.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a statement. And it's not uncommon at all, really. I mean. You when you know, when we were around Budapest, you would see these signs, these like flyers that were restore greater Hungary. Um you know, you would see stuff like the closed campus of Central European University, which the Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, had shuttered, basically, because of this, you know, feud that he has with George Soros, um, and just his general kind of anti-EU, anti-globalism, you know, anti-intellectual sentiments. So it's it's all over, you know, It's it's very real stuff. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to kind of write a book that was entirely, you know, ignorant to that. So has your,
0: uh, w- what does your family think of the book?
1: Uh, no one has read it, actually. <laughs> um, and that's by intention. Um I, no one in my, in my immediate family are really big fantasy readers or or big readers in general. Um, And the people in my extended family, I'm just kind of like, this is, this is not really the book that you're going to be, you're going to be interested in reading. I had my grandma help me with some of the Hebrew, but that's about it. Um, (laughs) There's just, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty bloody, you know, dark book and there's i mean there's a lot of of capital c content so i haven't really been eager for them to read it
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so ava you know now that this book is you know when people are hearing this um then then the book will be on sale everywhere and they can go grab it um but you know that's a it's a pretty addicting thing to um you know to create stories and to publish them and put them out to the world um wh- what are you what are you working on next because uh i can tell from the uh the passion that went into this book that this is not going to be the only story that we see what, uh, what what are you working on next
1: so i have another book with my adult publisher was Harper Voyager coming out next June, and that is you mentioned Grimm before. So this is a retelling of the Juniper Tree, which is one of Grimm's fairy tales. Um, not many people know it because it's very bizarre and very dark, and it's about cannibalism. Um, but it's set in the Victorian era Odessa, which is actually where a large portion of my family is from. Um, so I'm really excited about that. It's a bit, it's pretty different from the Wolf in the Woodsman in that it's a more street kind of horror gothic horror book um but i think they have a lot in common thematically so i'm really excited about that and then i have my young adult debut coming in early 2023 and that is kind of a mystery fantasy (laughs) romance it's called a study in drowning it was just announced a couple weeks ago actually so i have a couple fun things down the pipe
0: I love it. I love it. Ava, this, uh, the the new book is out everywhere now. When people are hearing this, we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode, The Wolf and the Woodsman. This is a must-have for your summer reading. Go grab it today. Uh, it's in Kindle edition, or if you want to hold actual paper in your hand, you can get the physical copy uh, of it, either uh, with the link that's on the website or go to your local bookstore and support Local businesses do it that way. I think uh, you know most bookstores are open back up now. People are getting back to business, thank God. Uh, or audiobook, uh, you can grab it in audio as well. Have you heard uh, any of the uh, uh, the
1: the audiobook production? No, I actually haven't heard any of it, but it's really funny people have started to you know tag me in their reviews of the audiobook version. So I'm really really curious to hear it. I had a say. I how to say in the narrator so i'm very excited to hear her take on it
0: yeah i'm excited to hear how the audiobook turned out as well um so that'll be fun that's uh, we can all listen together as it comes out <laughs> the wolf and the woodsman available everywhere now go grab your copy today uh ava if people are just learning about you and want to uh, you know follow you along your writer journey is there a place where they can connect with you online
1: yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram, which is at Ava S. Reed. Um, I'm not really on Twitter. I have a website, avasreed.com, which I try my best to keep up to date. Uh, but Instagram is definitely the place um, to find me.
0: Fantastic. We'll link that up as well. Uh, Ava, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was great
0: authors if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be look no further than pico's house crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous they also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands whether you need beta reading developmental editing a manuscript critique line editing copy editing or proofreading Pico's house is the one-stop shop for you check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started